What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Just Friends. As always, I'm your host, Mitchell Embry. And as always, I'm super excited about this week because it's our old friend, Mr. Ryan Ray. Full disclosure, we recorded this conversation back in December when Ryan was in town visiting for the holidays. And it's just a testament to our friendship that this podcast was even able to be made because Ryan was busy that weekend, but I asked him last minute if he could squeeze some time in to make a podcast with me, and he graciously said that he would do that. And I'm so glad that he did because, for better or for worse, we sort of slipped back into ourselves as high school kids at moments. So this is just a parental advisory. If you have kids in the room, you might want to throw on some headphones. So... It is now my great pleasure to introduce to you guys our friend, Mr. Ryan Ray. Luckily, I can edit anything out that I want to. Fuck. I'm probably leave that in there. I might move that to the front. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if that's the case, then, uh, hey, Barry, what's the sitch? Sitch, Barry. Get your fucking Kim Possible jeans on. (laughs) Barry couldn't fit in Kim Possible's jeans. All right, so Mr. Ryan Ray. Sir. The Enigma. <laughs> um, I like to think of myself as the Bigfoot of friends. I'm hairy, I lurk, and you occasionally see me maybe once a year. And you got like a three-foot dick, like just like Bigfoot. <laughs> Whoa, hang on now. <laughs> the feet didn't match everything else. It's true. I don't see you very often. You're, but, you know, I don't see any of my friends as often as I would like anymore. Mm-hmm. But... There is a challenge that comes with moving away, and you don't live in Louisville anymore. I do not. I'm in Savannah, Georgia now, so, um, you know, been there for a while, and it's, uh, like you said, it's a, it's a whole other challenge. So you moved to Savannah <laughs> to work for Gulfstream Aerospace. Yeah. Which makes you like a rapper. You're like a hip-hop god, right? Um, of people with acne and <laughs> obesity, yes. Well, the, your company, <laughs> the company that you work for, is mentioned in a hip-hop song, but they definitely rap about Gulfstream. Yeah, I'll you take guys, that. You guys build private aircrafts, right? Yeah, yeah. So I don't want to get too far into that. I'll let you talk about that later. But mm-hmm. first, let's talk about how we met. We met, like a lot of my friends on this podcast, you and I met in high school. Yeah. I'm trying to think when. I want to say it was freshman English class with Mr. Chapman. Maybe was it freshman what, English class with Chapman? <clears throat> Beautiful. The psychotic Mr. Chapman, yeah. That's exact, because that's where I met Jake. Yeah. Was he a football coach? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was at the time. I think it was... He stopped coaching the year before you came onto the team. Yeah, because yeah. I didn't join until sophomore year. Right. So he yeah. was. What was he like as a football coach? Uh, well, you remember, like he would get to that point where you thought every blood blood vessel was going to blow out. Yeah, his face was extremely. Uh, red. That was like times ten for like three <laughs> hours straight. I mean, he would bang his head against the wall. <laughs> he was a nice guy, but good God. So we met in high school. We played football together, like you, like we said. Mm-hmm. You played all four years. Yeah, and you were a sinner. Yeah, well, I was, played center freshman year, a little bit sophomore year, and then I kind of, a little bit of center, a little bit of guard, and then junior and senior year, I moved out to tackle. Yeah, so. you moved out to tackle. I remember that. Because I wasn't good enough to take the position. They're like, fuck, what are we going to do? <laughs> We're going to have to find somebody who can do this. Yeah. Because Embry's just like, he's still kind of crying. I think he's been sweating. Well, I for- think you had kind of been, uh, you had been assigned over to the defensive side of the ball to keep Simeon from rolling all over the place. That thing they moved me over there because they were like, he doesn't fucking know the plays. He doesn't. Why doesn't he know the plays? Because I, I didn't realize for a second that football was learning. I thought it was just running around into people. I didn't realize I had to think. That's fair. But um, I was but all over there. It's go get the ball. You know, that's which is easy. Point run. It's a sweet gig. You know, I wasn't good at that either, though. <laughs> that's okay, though. 
my favorite story of us from high school football. You and I were in the weight room. This was like a trailer, very derelict. Uh, I, uh, trailer's a stretch, man. What would you That's... call it? A shed. A, sh- it was a nice like, sweaty shed. It was a stinky sweaty shed. Um, and we they, we had those. It it was very unclean. It smelled funny. It was a high school weight room. Uh, it was equivalent to a sauna, but instead of them pumping in that pristine like Swedish water, <laughs> it was adolescent man sweat. Um, you could write your name on the little prison window in the door. You know, through the sweat. It was I remember that. All the mirrors. There were mirrors, but they'd all, after like 15 minutes, you wouldn't be able to see anything in the reflection because it was all fogged up. Yeah. Kept it interesting, for sure. And it did smell awful. And I feel so bad for the adults that had to be in that room with us. But I'll never forget this. You and I were at the squat rack mm-hmm. working out, and it was just me and you. I don't know. Usually we worked out with Jake and Casey. Usually it was, or, or yeah. Barry or somebody. But it was that day it was just me and you for some reason. And we're chatting. And somehow we got on the subject of, how can I put this, cunnilingus. Okay. And full disclosure, (laughs) we were about 15. I had no clue. (laughs) I didn't know what you did. I thought maybe you breathed on it. I wasn't sure if it was like a snake action. Yeah, I don't know. You know, like a a piccolo, you kind of had to play it in just the right order. Just the right way. Yeah, and you know, I've never been able to make a flute make noise, so I thought I'm going to be bad at this. Yeah. But you were telling me all kinds of things. I don't remember the specifics I of what you were saying. I the fifth on what I said. I was taking notes. <laughs> um, I was really, really interested. And I remember looking over and seeing two of our coaches, Chris Wolf and Jason Stenson. And it was obvious to me by their faces that they had been having a conversation. And then they had caught wind of our conversation. And by the look on their faces, they looked disgusted. They look like they're <laughs> about to throw up. Well, I think... Stinson may have been more disgusted with me and wanted to smack the Jesus into me. Yeah, he probably didn't you know, want to do that. But Wolf, he's speaking of enigmas. Yeah. That one. Hmm. I never really got to know him. <laughs> Did you ever get to know him? Uh, I mean, we made a connection that time he picked me up off the ground and stared into my soul. But <laughs> Holy shit. I remember that. Tell that story. What led up to that? I don't know. We, there was some bullshit going on in the field, and I came off, and I thought I was going to be a smart ass and chucked my helmet, and I chucked it into the kicker's net. And about the time it rolled off my fingers, I didn't even actually see the helmet make it to the net. About that point, a little man-child with his giant biceps came up and lifted my offensive lineman self off the ground and stared into my soul with me about eight inches off the ground and was like, don't you ever do that again. <laughs> and I was like... Oh, okay. <laughs> and he was probably like 5'9", but I remember going into the weight room one time, and he yeah. was repping out 405. Yeah. I think I saw him get it three, maybe four well, times. you know those those big barbells at the uh, the the dumbbells at the end of the rack that nobody touched? Yeah. He could go in and like curl those things like he was a candy bars like it was a joke. So. But I never, I don't think I ever spoke to him. The only, the my main memory of him I have two memories of him, specifically one. Mm-hmm. The only time he ever spoke to me was to lie to me. We were going <laughs> into the weight room, or we were going into the locker room, and he said, hey, Embry, there are donuts in the weight room. And I was like, fuck yeah, there are donuts. And then he was like, there aren't any donuts in that weight room. And I was like, fuck, why did he say that to me? And I had no idea that he was actually picking fun of me, because I didn't realize adults we're allowed to fucking make fun of kids. Oh, yeah. No, trust me. He he had a whole dickish side to him, you know. And he's like, ha, 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 here's a meal plan, fatty. Like, <laughs> and I was worthless. <laughs> I didn't bring any value really to the team other than like making my friends <laughs> chuckle. So he just didn't even talk to me at all. 
I don't know if anybody had any worth under under his uh, his reign there. He was just like you're just pieces. Yeah, <laughs> you stand there and let the let the fast guys run around you. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember the time we were all goofing around in the locker room and Chris kind of stood in the corner because you'd walk in the door and then there was a short little hallway with like an eight foot brick like wall that didn't go all the way to the ceiling. Right. Yeah. And then you turn the corner. And then you're in the main body of the locker room. Right. Chris was standing right on this edge of that corner, mm-hmm. thinking Robbie Dozer was about to come around the corner. And then right as the person came around the corner, Chris jumped out and went, boo! And it was <laughs> fucking Coach Wolf. And he did not flinch. I think Chris was, was a second away from death. Because I think he was about to bring a karate chop over the top of his head that would have ended Chris's life. Yeah, I think you're, you're spot on with that assessment there. Um Wolf had this kind of uh, force field around him. So Chris jumped out and projected all this fear out, and it kind of just banked right off of Wolf back into Chris. And you can see Chris's little cheeks jiggle, and he was like, oh, God, I'm scared. <laughs> I've never seen Chris Berry look so small. Yeah. Like, he still looked kind of like a baby hippo, but, like, smaller. <laughs> but smaller than he normally looked. Yeah. Oh, no. And I think I think Wolf grew three inches that day. You know? mm. In his pants. <laughs> Probably. What are your favorite memories from that time? God, I, you know, it was one big chaotic clusterfuck of, of nut punches and towel snaps and broken bones. And, you know, we'd win games occasionally, but I mean, really it was, (laughs) you know, um, it was basically, uh, four years of, if you say anything, get ready to get ragged on for it because somebody's going to find something. Um, I do remember a, uh, a, we were prepping for a game one day and Doozer had cup checked me and uh, I was like, I'm going to get you later. And uh, we went upstairs and he was kind of hanging out by Stinson's room out in that hallway, you know, like between the hallways, they had the doors up to close off. So there was a door frame around it and he's kind of chilling there with his hands up on the top of the door frame, kind of hanging from it. And I come around the corner out of Stinson's room and take like a crow hop Falcon punch <sighs> and I light him up and he slides about eight feet back into the lockers. <laughs> and I, I, I think I knocked his testicles pretty much up into like his, his ear canals or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I, I was concerned at first and then when he rolled over and like started to stand up, I was like, okay, we're good. Good. So, well, he had two babies, so you didn't yeah. fuck him up too bad. I just, you know, I let him know what was up. Yeah. Do you remember? <laughs> I'll never forget this. This is documented somewhere on social media. <laughs> you slapped Rob Richardson on the back so hard. You know, I think Jake was the last person to track that one down. So you need to put him on the case. Okay. But that was a beautiful, uh, you know, kind of my masterpiece from high school. It was like a piece of art because your hand. This was probably what the picture was taken maybe 15, 20 minutes later. Yeah, it kind of had an aura around it, like it an angel had touched him. It, it looked like an <laughs> angel had touched him. <laughs> That's what it was. Mm-hmm. A big, beautiful, big, big, beautiful angel just touched him real fucking hard on the back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. So we met in Mr. Chapman's class. That's cool. I'm glad because honestly, I'm ashamed to say that I wasn't really sure when we met for the first time. Well, I, it really just came to me when we when you brought it up. I was I was also thinking the same thing just the other day. You kind of thinking through when I knew everybody from, and you know, I met Barry right after we lured him back to the football field with the uh, the Butterfinger Bar. Mm. Because he didn't want to play anymore. So Really? I've never heard that story. No, he didn't. Yeah. Chris didn't want to play football one year in youth league. He wanted to go fishing that summer. He did. T- actually, he did tell me yeah, that. Yeah. And uh, we, you know, Patty lured him back um, with a candy bar. 
Big surprise. I'm not surprised. <laughs> Butterfinger, you said? I, I want to say it was a Butterfinger. I love a Butterfinger. I may be mistaken, but yeah. That was back, just, you know, like a little anecdote. Butterfinger has now changed their recipe. What? Not as good. They're not as good. And their packaging. They're not owned by, like, they used to be owned by Nestle or Hershey's or something. Oh, okay. And then they've Change now ownership. sold them and they've changed it and they're not as good. Mm, quote unquote, new direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bad direction. <laughs> High school was a fun time for us. We had a lot of fun. I always felt really awkward and and uh, kind of like I had a difficult time fitting in with everybody. But this this group, me, you, Jake Stratton, Casey Ford, Chris Berry, we were kind of like the offensive linemen, and we just bonded. Well, and so on that note of uh, fitting in and you know insecurities and all that stuff. I think we it was one of those it amplified when we were together because we were the offensive line mm-hmm. and no one person did all of it on their own. So you didn't have to have the confidence. The line had the confidence for you. And we kind of banked it all together. And when you decided you were going to be brave and do something stupid, you could just dip into the bank there. <laughs> you didn't need your own confidence, you know. Right. Me, you, and Casey and Jake were an advanced program together. Mm-hmm. So we ended up having a lot of classes together anyway. Um, I remember Casey and I talked about that time we stayed after with Mr. Swan and Casey got (laughs) hit by the truck. Yep. We talked about that. Not the first or last time he's been hit by a vehicle, by the way. I know. That's what he said. He said he's been hit by a vehicle multiple times. I've never met anybody. I've been around for uh, several of the occasions, yeah. What do you think it is? You think he's just dumb? Yeah. Just a little bit dumb? He's got bad sight. Um, (laughs) Let's be honest, his balance is bad. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) Dude, nobody has worse eyesight than me. I just stay on top of it. Like, I keep my contacts in or I keep my glasses in, but I'm fucking blind. (laughs) I can't see shit. Do you remember senior year, Mm -hmm. there was a huge assembly. And when we were in high school, they had cats testing. And it was pretty much like every year. every Pretty much every year, right? Yeah, I mean... I think it was every year, but you didn't take it every year because it was for certain grades. Okay. Does that sound right? Maybe it was just certain grades. I thought all kids took them in every grade, Mm -hmm. but junior year was like the big year. Yeah. That was like this. We're paying attention to this one to see if we're going to let you lead the school and be an adult, you know, (laughs) function in society. And so we had to take four tests and that was a big deal. Yeah. And this is how I remember this moment. We were all in, the auditorium, mm-hmm. and they just started by that giving. They gave everybody who got an apprentice or higher, they gave them some type of notar- like like they they like said, read their name off or something. Yeah, some or... type of recognition. Right. They read their name off or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it started off with if you got one apprentice. You could have gotten four novices and one apprentice, and they read your name off. And for those of you that didn't go through JCPS, the the, the one apprentice is, uh, you're not really setting the bar super high there. Yeah, that means you got three novices Yeah, and one apprentice. Yeah. Well, I think when they got to the higher levels, they were really trying to encourage you and say, pat on the back, good yeah. job. But they also were kind of like, yeah, let's, let's let everybody in on the participation trophy a little bit mm-hmm. sometimes, you know. So it started off as one apprentice, then it was two apprentices, then three then one proficient, two proficients, whatever, all the way up. And then by the time they got to like two distinguished, two proficients, I was like, fuck. <laughs> I was like, dude, I got four novices? Like what? Like I've never done that poorly on a standardized test in my life. You're like, I know I ate my breakfast that morning. I was, I, I was like, 
maybe they forgot me, but I was sitting with you and 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 Casey and and Jake. We were yeah. all sitting right next to each other. And we're in AP classes, you know, we're not, we didn't have the best grades, but we didn't have the worst either. Right. And we were like, the fuck? Dude? What is going on? There was like whispering between us, but we weren't supposed to really be talking. And I was like, eh, have, they, have they said your name yet? I'm like, they haven't said my name yet. And then they fucking got to four distinguished. You got distinguished on all four tests. And I suppose they went in alphabetical order because they said Mitchell Embry, Casey Ford, Ryan Ray, and Jake Stratton. And we were all just fucking standing there, sitting there. We all stood up. Like, we were sitting right next to each other. Yeah. Well, there was there were some very intelligent people around us as well that were in our classes with us. And I heard some mumbles along the lines of, what the fuck? It was about me. Like, <laughs> Mitch? That motherfucker. No, it was, it was pretty funny, though, because everybody was like, these idiots? You're, you're kidding. Well, I just remembered Principal Johnson said, Stinson, what the fuck are you feeding those kids? I don't think he said fuck. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd like to remember. Yeah, he might have said, I don't know. Oh, gosh. How, how do you remember high school? Do you remember it fondly? Mixed emotions, man. I don't know. I, I really try to be introspective and look at stuff for what it is. And I, I, it, the sad part about that is when I come out of it, everything ends up being going, meh. Yeah. I mean, there was definitely for... For what high school was, there was a lot of good. I mean, we had a blast, but, uh, you know, meh. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't ready to be the best version of me that I could be. I was No. And every, nobody is. 25-year-old me would take 15-year-old me and kick the shit out of them, to be honest. Yeah. Well, 30-year-old me would take 25-year-old me and just give him a stern talking to. Honestly. Uh, that's, that's probably fair, too, yeah. <laughs> um, and then the cool thing about it was after high school, and I think this was probably planned... Me, you, and Jake, and TJ Edwards, too, we all went to speed school. Yeah, I didn't realize TJ was going to speed school until I saw him at speed school. I was like, holy shit, TJ's at speed school. That's awesome. (laughs) And uh, Chad was so nice about this because, you know, I didn't finish it. So he was like, well, you didn't finish it. That wasn't what you wanted to do, blah, 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 blah. And the reality of it is was like all the same bullshit issues that I had that kept me from being successful in high school were the same ones that kept me from being successful in college. Mm Mm-hmm. And like once I got those things figured out, like I probably could go back and have done it, but it was it's too late. It was like in the past and it was over with. But not finishing is a it's not something I'm ashamed of because it kind of led me to who where I'm at and who I am now. Sure, so yeah. It doesn't bother me to, for us to talk about that. But for the year that I was in speed school with you guys, it was pretty much just like high school. Oh yeah, two. Well, yeah, Ed, and if you remember, Jake and I didn't join Triangle until sophomore year. Right. And that's, like like you said, it, it was pretty much a continuation of of high school until sophomore year. And then everybody kind of started growing, going different directions. And, you know, it didn't take away from our friendship. And I think that's that's why, like, I make such an effort to see you guys when I, come, when I do come back in town. Because it never affected our friendship. No. We could go a year without talking and it didn't fucking matter. We'd pick up right where we left exactly. off. Exactly, And that's a beautiful thing. And for you and me specifically i think it was around sophomore year of college because i stopped going to uofl and you and jake joined triangle yeah i have no context for frat life i would love to hear you tell me about it is it wonderful well triangle specifically i think and uh, you know everybody spills the same old bullshit but i think triangle specifically was different than a lot of the other ones um mainly because it was engineer and nerd focused um they had approved majors okay. and you had to be taking uh, a certain percentage of your freshman 
credits had to be like calculus based. So like you, it was, you had to be a nerd. Um, so that was honestly, it was kind of appealing. I didn't feel the pressure of like trying to live the jock life or any shit like that. Um, but I mean, they were fun guys. They were, they were fun guys. They cared about each other. Uh, you know, that I got a lot of help with school and let's be honest, like, you know, I'm not stupid, but I, I'm not the best engineer by any stretch of the imagination, but I learned a lot about socializing and being able to communicate better, uh, especially about ideas. Um, they helped. I had a lot of friends that helped me get through school. You know, there's subjects that I'm not good at. And I wouldn't have passed without some help. Um, you know, just the intramurals, all that stuff. It was a good time. The parties were fucking <laughs> insane for a bunch of nerds. Like it literally felt like revenge of the nerds. We throw a party and like, I look around the room and there's our fraternity. And then there's like twice as many girls as our fraternity. And I was like, wow, how do we pull this off? <laughs> well, but you touched on, no, you touched on something really important, which is like the value of community, like having yeah. that, that group of people around you that you can invest in, but they're going to invest in you. Yeah. And you know, you're going to, and you talked about it even in high school. We had that, our little group, offensive linemen like we right. that's a valuable thing to me you know you, you what people forget is you cannot make it anywhere in this world of any any kind of substance or accomplishment without some help mm-hmm. regardless of what you do or how hard you work at it um you got to have some kind of community around you right um and that was you know when the the shift happened after high school that was my next community to grow into you know right. so you and you sought that out because you were in a new space or surrounded mm-hmm. by new people yeah there's a it's on Facebook a lot, but it's like an old Kenyan or old African proverb. It's like, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. That's spot on. It's They nailed it. Yeah. Human wisdom. It can, I mean, like people had it figured out thousands <laughs> of years ago. It's funny that we have yeah. to keep relearning it. <laughs> but who all was in triangle with you? Because I met some of those guys. Because we would, we would always go to Cafe 360 and smoke mm-hmm. hookah. And right. They, yeah. So obviously, so it was me and Jake. Um but there was uh, the Justins, Justin Clark and Justin Kaffenberger. Yep. I think you remember meeting them a couple times. I uh, met them both a couple times, yeah. Yeah, so Justin Clark ended up uh, moving down to Savannah with me and working at Gulfstream as well for a while. Sweet. Um, he's in Houston now with his wife, who he met at Gulfstream. Awesome. Um, so, you know, it, it, those friendships carried on even. That's great. Um, yeah, and then I think you met, uh, you probably met Tyson a couple times. I met Tyson. Yeah. You and Tyson seem to have a, a, a boy crush going on. Well, he was hot. Yeah, was <laughs> Gus Ford in Triangle? Gus was not. Uh, he was. I think Gus was Sig Up, but uh, the thing was Sig Up. They were kind of like the other engineering fraternity. So like we got along with all those guys. The the Gus and uh, I think um, Jacob Reynolds was in there too. Um, See all of these I'm trying people. To rack up the names. It's honestly been so long, but us and Sig Up got along good. It was a good. You know, not necessarily an alliance, but like a understand association, you know. Was there that kind of dynamic? Was there like inter um, fraternal competition? There was definitely fraternities you got along with more than others. Um, and SIGEP specifically, a lot of them were engineers. So okay. they understood the stress of maintain the social aspect, but you have to maintain the academics. You also have to be able to recruit and have, you know, not be the social weirdos that scare everybody off. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's, it's a, uh, it was a challenge and they, they understood where we were coming from. So. And you build those relationships mm-hmm. and you build those friendships. Yeah. So even outside of triangle, we still made some connections just from common understanding of, you know, what it takes. Yeah.
It's interesting that you said that you didn't know TJ was going to be at Speed School. Mm-hmm. I don't think I did either. I didn't know Chad was going to be there because Chad and I had been friends for some time. Chad and I have been friends for a while, since like middle school, and I didn't know he was going to be there, but a lot of people from PRP went to speed school. Yeah. Jennifer Ray, mm-hmm. and she's married now. I think her last name is Williams. Yeah, yeah. And then Emily Brown. Mm-hmm. I think Emily's, I think she's out in San Francisco now. She's a civil engineer. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. Cal, the East, the, or the West Coast is, a, is the fucking place to be. It's yeah. beautiful out there. I went there for my honeymoon. It was awesome. I remember that. Yeah, you had a blast. Who, who else was there? Was there anybody else? Um, you mentioned Jennifer and, uh, Derek Thomas was there. Derek, my boy, Derek, Derek's doing some crazy stuff. Derek man. Is, I've talked to Derek recently. I want him on the podcast. You need to get him on the podcast. He's got to be in fucking America first. Dude. Good luck. I know. He's <laughs> I, I honestly, when he was, um, working in, uh, Iowa, I was doing my damn just to try to get him on at Gulfstream to bring him down there. Yeah. And uh, things just, uh, timing and life goals and everything didn't kind of pan out with the, the offers that we had and mm-hmm. couldn't get him down there. And I I found out, went to my boss one day and he was dragging his feet on it. And I told my boss, I was like, you're an idiot if you don't hire this kid. Like, mm-hmm. you think I do a good job? This guy runs circles around me. Yeah. Like, you should fire me and hire him. <laughs> <laughs> Derek was always so cool. Drew Patel. Drew was there. Yeah, Drew was older than us, but yeah, he was there. Yeah. Drew worked on some super cool projects too. Man. He told me about a project. I, I would like to have Drew on the podcast. I ran into him recently. Yeah. And uh I have I'm friends with him on Facebook, so I've reached out. Um he told me that he worked on a project where I don't want to give the gist of it. I'd rather him tell the story, but basically he spent a lot of time observing cadaver like mm-hmm. cadavers bodies mostly women in their like 60s and 70s mm-hmm. and specifically he was observing the uh structural integrity of their vaginas <laughs> like <laughs> whoa because he was a biomedical engineer yeah so he was working on a project that was supposed to like kind of you remember transvaginal mesh Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was like right after that whole fiasco where like there was all those all the lawsuits, lawsuits and stuff. Yeah. And he was trying to like come up with a better like version of transvaginal. Well, and when we were in school, even his one of his research projects in school, he was working on like a uh, a MIMS pressure sensor for the retina to help people with glaucoma. So it would like help adjust their medication based on the pressure in their eye or something like that. It was a really cool project. What a fucking genius! All right. It's weird how... And we got the four distinguished. I know. <laughs> well, like you said, he was older than us. Yeah. But Derek wasn't. Yeah. I mean, Fuck you, Derek. You may be super successful. But we passed the state standardized test. Yeah, we're better test takers than you. Yeah. It was weird. <laughs> I, 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 you know, it, there were a lot of people who ended up taking that route. And, and I hope that it worked out for all of them. Mm-hmm. I would love to talk to Emily. If she's in San Francisco, that would be tough because she, mm-hmm. we had physics class together and we spent a lot of yeah. time together. But you kind of already touched on it because after, after college, you went to Savannah. Well, that was actually during college, wasn't it? You were kind of back and forth. It was during college. So, you know, the speed school has their co-op program or whatever. So you do the four semesters and then um, then you take a, a semester to go work for a company basically as a full-time engineer, if they will give you the work to do so. Um, but basically schools like get the hell out, go get a job. <laughs> and then, uh, once you do that, then you come back and they say, how was it? Do you still want to be an engineer? Great. 
Now go do it two more times. No. That's smart, honestly. That's really <laughs> um, smart. And I, you know, a lot of people, uh, some people know this now, but not everybody does. Um, since I've been at Gulfstream, about two or three years after I started full time, I've been part of their collegiate recruiting program. Mm-hmm. Um, so I travel to schools all over the eastern half of the U.S. and recruit co-op students, basically, to backfill my position from the student program. Makes sense. Um, so that's a really cool experience, and. You know, I tell all these students that there's there's a lot of schools out there that don't require a co-op. Mm-hmm. And uh, I tell them when they're debating on whether or not to do that or go ahead and keep taking classes, um, you gain so much more from your co-op rotations than you ever will from any textbook. Uh, the textbooks are valuable and you got another theory, but you will not learn how to engineer in real life until you go out and work. You've got to prove yourself by passing yeah. the class. Well, not just that. You go and build a network and gain mentorship. Oh, yeah. And, like, you have engineers that have been doing it for 30 years just said this is what you need to focus on don't worry about this class take this one right well that's what i was trying to say like you have to prove that you're capable by passing the classes but if you really want to learn about what you're going to be doing then go out and do it i think that's true Mm -hmm. about everything yeah so the co-op program was really cool and i went down to savannah um and actually gulfstream was not part of uh louisville's co-op program uh, I had a family member that was working for Gulfstream down there. And, you know, to be honest, I didn't have the grades to really get one of the good co-ops. Um, I was just kind of being a uh, existing student, mm-hmm. <laughs> to put it put it nicely. Um, so I reached out to him, and he was telling me about this awesome company that builds jets or whatever. And I was like, fucking sweet, I'm in. Yeah. Um, and he's like, well, you know, what's your grades look like? And I was like, yeah, you know. He's like, well, look, I'll put you in touch with a guy I know that works with the program, yada, yada, yada. Long story short, Gulfstream recruits from University of Cincinnati, and they have for a long time. So I found out who the lead recruiting HR person was, and I basically annoyed the piss out of her <laughs> until she was like, well, we're going to be in Cincinnati in two weeks. Are you up for an interview? And I said, uh, yeah, let me know where I need to be. So I drove up to Cincinnati, met them for dinner, um, had a dinner interview with them sweating my balls off in this monkey suit like i was so nervous the suit was hot the restaurant was hot you know i sweat as is yeah i'm um, sweating right now right now i mean i'm nervous talking about it still no. <laughs> <laughs> um so i get up there and we go through the interview and i was like okay i think it went good they probably think i'm a moron uh. <laughs> um so i drive back home and uh get a call like the next day day after with an offer so uh you know I don't know why. Maybe I blotted out my GPA at the top of my resume. I don't know. Um, but the conversation went good, and I, I got a shot, and I uh, was able to follow through on it. So That's awesome. And that's what it takes. So you've been in Savannah now for how long? My first co-op rotation was January 2009. So um, full-time since 2000, June of 2012. So, so did you... Did you do all three of your co-ops there? I did three rotations, and then I had two years. Of, it was then that's every other semester, and then I had two full years of school to finish my bachelor's and my master's, and then I moved down there after that. That's wild. So they waited two years while you finished your master's degree to offer you the job. Yeah. So actually, so it's a funny story. Right after I started full time, they they instituted a rule that you have to co-op within eighteen months of your full time start because I was a problem child, and I said mm. I need a full twenty four months to finish school you so. are the reason that rule exists I, i'm the reason for a lot of rules unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious so, so you did all three co-ops down there did mm-hmm. casey and me 
Chad and Casey visited? Was it during yeah. a co-op or what? That you- was during a co-op. That was during my third co-op third rotation. Co-op. So that was my summer rotation, which gotcha. turned out to be a let's call it what it was, a total shit show of debauchery. Um that was a wild semester. I I didn't realize it was only three months looking back on what all happened there. Mm-hmm. But uh that was a wild three months. I can only speak about the week that we were there. Yeah. And we had a blast the week that we were there. We stayed with you. I told you guys to get down there early so you could be there for TNBP. That's Thursday night beer pong for mm-hmm. those that aren't in the know. Um, and at that point, all the co-ops lived in the same apartment complex. So Gulfstream rented like 15 apartments in the same complex. And so, you know, you would just drunkenly wander from apartment to apartment. And every week we rotated which apartment would buy a keg and uh, every Thursday night because we worked uh, Monday through Thursday. Oh, gotcha. So Thursday night was our Friday, so we would get shit can drunk and Beautiful. stumble around the apartment complex. And everybody worked at Gulfstream? Yeah. Did I'm, your roommate work at Gulfstream? Yeah. we. I mean, they had like 15 apartments. We usually have, well, in the summer was crazy. So in fall and spring, they'd have about 30 or 40 co-ops. And then over the summer, counting interns, we'd have almost 200 students. Jesus. I didn't realize this company was so huge. Yeah. We, we're just in Savannah right now. We're at like 12,000 employees. And you guys build private jets. What's mm-hmm. the big one? What's the what's the big one? Like the uh, fancy the new one's one. the the G seven hundred is the the, the latest G- and greatest. So is the G six like a G six? That's a Gulfstream plane, right? That was the six fifty. So since then we've had the six fifty extended range. Oh God! Write a rap song about that, somebody. Yeah. Extended range. Yep. For her pleasure. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> it really, so what's cool about that one is from any major city to any other major city on the planet, you can get there without stopping. Any other major city on the planet? Yeah, it's not It's not a full globe circling jet, but all the major populated areas you can get from, I think right now you can get from New York to Tokyo in one shot. Wow. Uh, That's I, awesome. Somebody will fact check me on that and call me an idiot. But Not me. I'm not going to. <laughs> Um, but so since then there's been the 650 ER and then we went to the G 500 and G 600, mm. which is kind of new avionics systems, cool shit like that. The pilots love it. And then the G 700 took the best of the 650, which was fly like a G six mm-hmm. and blended it with the 600 to get all the best of all the technology and made it a little bit bigger of a plane. So that's the newest one that's out right now. And that's what like all the rappers and all like the billionaires and they're like when they're jet setting in their private so jets. funny story a lot of rappers lease them by the hour really yeah because they can't afford to buy them crazy expensive they can't afford to buy them so they lease them well how much are they brand new like a billion dollars no not that high but um the base price for the 700 i think is going to be around 74 million I mean, and that's they, what you would expect. And there. that's what bucket seats, that's like before you add in the extras and shit, you know, you want a gold plated sink, you want the all silk carpet, you know, whatever. Well, I mean, it's a plane. So yeah. I'm not surprised that it's millions of dollars to buy. Yeah. The cost really comes into when they deck out the cabin interiors and they're like, you know, I want to, I want to sleep on, you know, platinum threaded bed sheets or whatever stupid. Do they lease them from Gulfstream straight from Gulfstream? I think they can, but there's a big market out there where there's there's uh, holding companies that purchase them, uh, typically backed by banks. Yeah, too big to fail. That's right. Um, <laughs> and they uh, <laughs> they they buy up you know several of them. Um, there's several uh, executive airways out there. We have one in particular that's bought like our first like thirty or forty of our new one. Um, so you know that's times seventy million. 
That's crazy, crazy, crazy numbers we're talking about. But that's uh, awesome. So now that you mentioned, now that you say that, I'm not as surprised to hear that there are 12,000 employees. Mm-hmm. And there would have to be. I oh, mean, yeah. when you think about it, these planes are flying through the air. Like, they have to be... At the speed of sound. Extremely... <laughs> wow, I didn't realize that. They have to be extremely well-engineered, extremely mm-hmm. high-quality craftsmanship. And, and, I mean, obviously that's true because, I mean, people write rap songs about them. Yeah. But I didn't realize that. That's really cool. So, you were down in Savannah, third co-op. Right. Casey, me, and Chad came down. Yeah, and we back stayed, to the fun stuff. We stayed in your all's apartment. Yeah. <laughs> it was you and a roommate. Who was your roommate? Oh, I can't remember if it was Sterling or Phil. So, if it was Sterling, he's a fun cat. Phil, eh, not so much. I think it might, I think have, been it might have been Phil because Phil was kind of a hermit and yeah, because I don't remember meeting him. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't like socializing at all. He, well, first off, he didn't like me, but I can't that blame him on sucks. that. <laughs> yeah, I was. I wasn't a very dickish point in my life at that point. Okay. So. I rem- the only thing I remember <laughs> about your roommate is the very first night we were down there, his alarm went off at like six thirty a.m. Because you guys had to work the first yeah. night that we were there. We got down there on a Wednesday. That's what it was, yeah. Because you had said to be down there for the Thursday night beer pong, but you guys had to work that Thursday. Correct. And I remember your all's alarms going off. His alarm goes off first, and it just goes. I assumed that there's like a timer. Mm -hmm. Definitely didn't have a timer. (laughs) And you guys were camping in the living room, like right outside his door. I was sleeping on the floor. Casey and Chad had claimed the couches the first night, so I'm on the floor. Casey's snoring. Hadn't slept much because of that. God, he sounds like a fucking chainsaw. Like a bear, like a grumpy bear. That had swallowed a chainsaw. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And this guy's alarm starts going off. And I'm thinking, oh, he must be getting ready for work. I'm going to kind of like see if, see what he looks like and stuff like that. But the motherfucker never got up. <laughs> he never got up. And then your alarm starts going off. And mm-hmm. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? These two alarms are going off. So then after like 10 minutes, you finally got out of bed and you're kind of getting your shit together and getting ready. And his fucking alarm is still going off. And I'm like, is this guy And what's incredible is I was always the slacker that would like, would get up late. For some reason, I looked great that day. (laughs) You must have. I don't ever, honestly, I don't think he was even in that room. Or maybe we were there, so he felt really uncomfortable. I don't Mm, know, but I never saw him. I remember he had a Roomba. And I remember thinking, this motherfucker's got a Roomba. Because, <laughs> I mean, it was like 2000 and like what, like 2010? Yeah. I mean, I have a Roomba now. Yeah. That's 10 years from ago. So you were fancy as shit. I remember Thursday night beer pong. It was crazy. There's so <laughs> many people. And there were so many fucking random people in and out the door, like. All the time. You just left your door wide open. Yeah. I bet you you think really fondly about those times, don't you? <laughs> That particular time, man, that was so, you know, that was post uh, high school relationship breakup and it was a rough time. And it was, it was actually right before I met my next serious girlfriend. So it was a low, but I mean, that, looking back on that summer, that was a wild, wild summer. You know, uh, dated my first older woman, mm. uh, you know, did, you know, crazy stuff. I mean, I had a Wednesday night drinking buddy that I worked with, like, and we would go downtown to the same Irish pub. Nice. Like, I mean, just crazy, crazy times. Savannah's a great city for that. Yeah. You know, you mentioned something. I was also coming out, like, right out of a breakup. Like, literally, I think it had happened, like, two days before. Yeah, and you were like, thank God I'm going on a trip. I know, because I was (laughs) 
devastated. I remember I cried in front of my parents, maybe <laughs> for the first time since I was like 12. And like, I was just really sloppy and just really feeling shitty. And then we drove down there and you were kind of going through some of the same stuff. Yeah, uh, I was losing my shit a little bit, yeah. Well, you do. You do. <laughs> I was a little manic, a little depressive, you know. You came, You were coming out of a, a long-term relationship. Yeah. It had been like, you guys had been together for most of high school. Six and a half years, actually, at that point. And, you know, yeah. you're a child. Chad yeah. kind of talked about this. Yeah. You, you fall in love with the idea of a person, not really the person themselves. Well, there's that funny conversation you have at that age where you say... You know, we started dating. We're going to get married at this point, and we're going to have kids by this point. Um, you know, we're going to graduate from college, and then we're going to have kids. And, and you you do that whole planning thing from adolescence to adulthood, and that plan rarely works. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we have a yeah. few friends that have made that work, but it's it's a rarity, you know. And uh, yeah, once the shit starts falling apart and you accept that it's falling apart, but you're going to be okay – you do so much growth from that, you know. Right. Because all of a sudden, you now have to reevaluate what your future looks like. Mm-hmm. Thank God for that. What do you think was the biggest takeaway for you going through all of that, that whole time? Uh, I think I got more in touch with uh, my emotions and how I reacted to people. Um, and understood more accountability on my part. And, you know, our breakup was, you know, it was a total fucking train wreck when it happened. Mm-hmm. But I really learned how to from that handle my emotions better um regardless of what's going on in your personal life you've got a responsibility to, to handle stuff and um i did not handle that specific event my brothers took care of that and that wasn't going back to that community nice. thing so you got those people who got your back yeah but uh from that i learned you know sometimes you got to buckle down and push through your day yeah um and really just uh living by yourself that was the first time as an adult that i had had no attachments to anybody and was on my own and i learned a lot from that what was that like for you? What was that like living in a totally different state, yeah. hours away from your family at like 20? You were like 20, right? Yeah, I was 20. Um, well, I, no, I just turned 21. Mm. That's what it was. Um, yeah, so it just amplifies everything. That whole sense of uh, loneliness and looking for community and looking for friendship and you know a place to belong, it just amplifies all that. And it really made it tough, but... It made me kind of say, okay, are you going to lose it or are you going to like get your shit together and move on with your life? So mm-hmm. I started branching out more and, uh, you know, went out, met some great friends, met a great girl. Um, it was a short lived relationship, but it was a good relationship. And I learned a lot from that one too. Um, you know, I really, and that's a, a challenge still to today. Um, even though I'm married now and I got a daughter and it's, uh, being away from home, you don't have that where I can I can call Mitch or I can call Jake or Casey or Chris, and they're five minutes down the road. And I'm like, dude, let's go get a beer. You don't have that. Yeah. Like at best, you've got acquaintances, and you don't necessarily get to that level with those acquaintances. And if you do, it's usually you're too many beers in, and that's why you're <laughs> at that level. Yeah. Um. So you know, it's it is a real challenge swimming in your own head sometimes, and uh, you don't have anybody to turn to, but you know what you need to do and what you need to handle. And it's, it's still a challenge to today, but I, I manage it a lot better at we, this age. I imagine you've got quite a few friends down there now, and that you've had for a, a few years, too. Yeah. Um, people don't realize this, but Savannah is a big transplant city. There's a lot of military bases around there. Um, a lot of the jobs are highly specialized skills. So you're coming from the other side of the country with a degree 
and you're coming down there to work because the skill set doesn't exist locally. Mm-hmm. The, I think half of the state of Ohio lives in Savannah, honestly. It's, <laughs> all I ever hear about is Ohio sucks, blah, blah, blah. Like, okay, get over it. Like, you're not there anymore. <laughs> we all know. <laughs> we all think so, too. Yeah, we agree. We're, we're with you. There's a reason why all the astronauts are from Ohio. That's. The first I want to get, get away. off this fucking planet out here. Yeah. <laughs> so, much. so, um, but so even those close friends that I make, as soon as you get close to them, they move away because they get a new military assignment or mm-hmm. something like that. And your your friends down there, they're not my age. A lot of my friends are like late thirties at best, typically like mid forties. You know, it's a it's just a the the relationships that we have, the friendships that we kind of have been lucky enough to maintain, and and granted, harder for you because you're at a distance. But you've been in town for three days, and you're sitting in my living room on my couch making a podcast with me. So that's just a testament to the close knit community that we have. That's just because I wanted to see your little wiener. Well, I'll show it to you later. Okay. Um, <laughs> but when you have a friend who knows you since you were a child, they have so much more context for who you are Yeah, and they can see you and like, they, they can be like, man, he's fucking come a long way and they can appreciate <laughs> who you are now and they can, and because they've seen where you've come from. But when you meet a brand new person, they're getting you at face value and they see all of your flaws just like everybody else does, but they don't have any context for how far you've come in order to be the person that you are. So there's boundaries to overcome. Well, I think what generates that awkwardness as well is they see your flaws in combination with what you want them to see. And they can see there's a disconnect there. Yeah. And they can't quite put it together. Yes. And, you know, because everybody's going to put on a new face. Of course. So it's a natural instinct. You can say, you know, that two plus two is not four right there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's always an awkward building phase where you get to know people and you get to know your neighbors. And there's always, regardless of how nice they are, when you look back at your friend group, if you tried to bring them to meet your, your old friends, mm-hmm. you're like, yeah, it's not really going to work. <laughs> That's true. I actually never really thought about that, about that kind of like disconnection between mm-hmm. who you are now and y- your baggage. Yeah. You know, because that's one of the interesting things that we do a lot is we try to curate our other people's perceptions of us. Mm-hmm. I guess everybody has probably always done that. It might even used to have been easier because you could just straight up fucking lie to a person's face yeah. and they had no way of checking you on it. I did not just get out of prison. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. How has, how has your relationship with your family changed? Well, I mean, uh, they, my family is very small now at this point. And, you know, I've got my mom and everything. My sister my, and my sister and me are not close at all. Yeah. Um, and that's like, it's okay that we're not that close. Um, me and my mom though, especially with, uh, my daughter now and mm-hmm. her having a grandchild, she's trying to build into that and um, try to find a good way to be involved from a distance, which is hard. I bet that is really hard. Yeah. And she doesn't necessarily have the means to, to travel all the time. Right. Um, my in-laws uh, seem to be able to travel a little bit more, which is great. And they're very supportive and I've built a good relationship with them, but you know, I'd, yeah, I'd love to have my mom be around my daughter more. Um, you know, it's just uh, it's, it's distance is hard. The further away you are, the harder it gets. So, so did you meet your now your now wife Natalie? When did you guys meet? How did you guys meet? So, we actually met through Triangle. 
Because she's from Louisville too, right? She's from Louisville. She went to Eastern Kentucky for undergrad. Um, and she had somehow, a friend of a friend, met one of my fraternity brothers and dated him for like a month or two. But in that time, we hung out and were friends. And actually, you know, she dated somebody else for a long time. And I dated a couple girls for a while. And we were friends for four or five years. And every time she would come in town, we'd go get lunch together and catch up. Just like I do with you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, catch up like that. You know, real innocent. You know, nothing going on. But we were very interested in how each other were doing. And then uh, I had moved down to Savannah. And she had gone on to grad school at Western. And we had even to the point of she had met my mom and I had met her parents a couple times and they both were like, so when are you guys going to start dating? Cause this is getting really weird for all of us with you all hanging out all the time. And so, yeah, that was, uh, that's where that started. And at that point I decided I was going to pursue her. <laughs> that's cool. So you started to pursue your now wife. She's a fancy pants, big wig with the government. Uh, she's not super fancy pants, but she's a, she's a chemist for the government, and she does some interesting work with international relations. Leave so it there. She, so she's got really fancy pants. She carries this big NATO stamp and stamps it on stuff, so it's okay. It's cool. She's a chemist? She is a chemist. That's, a, that's fancy. Could she make meth? She can. Does she know how? Yeah. Holy shit, she knows how? Wow. I bet she does know how. I bet she actually, I'm sure she's never done it. But uh, knowing what I know in about a class, her, class they had to make it once and then immediately destroy it. Yeah, really? Hmm? That's a really cool. That's a cool ass story. I bet she'd be a great podcast guest. <laughs> no, because she has not passed her opsec training uh, <laughs> to keep her mouth shut. No. Oh gosh, <laughs> that's why I'm doing it. Now. <laughs> gotcha. But that's really awesome. That's really cool. By the way, I love you, honey. <laughs> you, you heard it. All right, guys, so that's it for part one of the podcast. If you want to hear more about how Ryan's wife cooks meth, you can tune in this Wednesday to hear the rest of our conversation. As always, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, please rate the show and give us a review. It really helps us out. It lets people know what we're about over here at Just Friends. If you love Ryan and you really appreciate this episode of the podcast, please make sure you share it on your Facebook page so other people can hear it and can get tuned in to what we're doing over here at Just Friends Podcast. The last way and definitely the biggest way that you can show support is to check out the Patreon page. It's Patreon forward slash Mitch Makes Podcasts. If you decide to become a patron, you would pledge a a monthly donation to the show that we're going to definitely use to grow. We want to build a website. We want to get merch. um, And we can't do that without your all's help. So if you are interested in seeing something like that come to fruition, check out the Patreon page. Um, But... All of you guys are doing such an amazing job. I appreciate all of your support. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a fantastic week. See you Wednesday.